Welcome to episode 70 of the Fantasy Alarm Baseball Podcast, joined once again by my partner Matt Sells out in, I think, sunny Nebraska today. I know it's we're, we're due for rain here tomorrow in Syracuse. How are things going? Uh, it was overcast today, but it was still, it, it, we're, we're headed for 74 tomorrow here in Lincoln, so should be pretty nice. Been a wild weather system here, so... There's, there's lots of things to get through here. We, you know, trying to keep this in that half an hour time frame. So we'll get through as much as we can for the Fantasy Alarm family. Uh, we'll lead things off with, uh, it was a controversial uh, circumstance on Sunday. There was many people weighing in on Twitter on one side or the other. Uh, Madison Bumgarner did not allow a hit in a seven-inning doubleheader game. So is the MLB correct, or is this just another flaw with Mr. Manfred that it is not counted as a no-hitter? So I will say that it is, uh, in my opinion, a flaw with Mr. Manfred, along with many other flaws with Mr. Manfred, um, that it's not being counted as a no-hitter. And before the pod started, you and I were talking, and you asked about rain-shortened ones, and I would say that rain-shortened ones don't count because they had the option to play nine innings, they just didn't get to it. In this case, there was no option to play nine innings. MLB and MLBPA agreed. Uh, in fact, at the start of last year's shortened season, that doubleheaders would be seven innings in in length. Um, do I agree with that decision? Not necessarily, but it is what it is. And Madison Bumgarner went out through seven innings and didn't allow a hit. And... So I think it should be considered a no-hitter. His catcher has started a petition on, like, change.org, I think, to get it counted as a no-hitter. So props to the catcher for having his pitchers back again. Um, But the other thing, my my final point on this is MLB gives Madison Bumgarner credit for a complete game. So if you're going to count it as a complete game and there's a zero in the hit column, it should count as a no-hitter. Yeah, it's just a, just a weird weird circumstance all the way around. I know what you're saying, and I know they don't count them in the minor leagues that they have been doing the seven-inning uh, doubleheader shortened deals. So uh, we'll, we'll see how all of it uh, evolves. I know this put it kind of at as a uh, hot-button topic since these shortened doubleheaders seem like they might be here to stay. Uh, Speaking of things here to stay, uh, it's not Gary Sanchez in the Yankees lineup. Uh, They announced that Kyle Higashioka will will start taking the uh, lion's share of a bats and games behind the dish. I know this is good news to Garrett Cole and his uh, fantasy owners. Uh, You know, it it started early with Sanchez in a couple home runs and had a very strong spring, but it has not carried over since. Uh, he's really been struggling. His defense has never been terrific. Is this just a perfect storm of everything going against him? And and with Stanton and Judge being somewhat healthy, uh, there's really not going to be a lot of bats to be gained at designated hitter as well. So is he a drop in 12-team mixed and, and higher? I mean, obviously, yeah. you're not going to have him in a 10-team league right now. Right, yeah. I would, I would say he's droppable at this point. If you're talking about like a 15 15- teamer maybe because i have a hard time coming up with like you know if you're in a two catcher league you got to hold them right if you're in a one catcher league you could probably drop them depending on who's available there's no probably you have to in a one catcher yeah because he's not getting at bats even when he gets at bats he's not hitting his weight or anywhere close to it um the power hasn't been there for a little bit and you know i know defense doesn't count in most fantasy leagues, I am in one where errors for the week can count against you. Um, but his defense is the liability, and that's a big reason why he's losing playing time. Aaron Boone brought it up last year for Gary Sanchez that he had to get better defensively, and it hasn't changed. So um, I don't know what the Yankees are going to do with him going forward. I don't know if they look to try to move him um, or – I mean, they can't send him down, I would assume. He doesn't have any minor league options left. So you can't send him down without him having to clear waivers. So I think at this point, he's just the backup catcher. He's going to start maybe one out of every five days. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about Higashioka? I mean, he's done well in small stints 
will the prolonged playing time expose him a little bit more or are we willing to think he can hit in like the 250-ish range with a decent pop? I think he's got decent pop. I mean, they are small sample sizes uh, when he's come up and played, but he's put up nice home run numbers. When he's done that, granted, it's a band box of a ballpark they play in, and the whole division really is a band box of a ball of, of ballparks. Um, but, you know, the, the pitcher's ERAs also seem to be better with Higashioka behind the plate uh, oh, yeah. than they are yeah, with it's, Sanchez. It's, oh, it's a stark difference when Cole pitches to the two of them. Right. I think it's like so, a two-run difference in ERA. Yeah. So that'll help you fantasy-wise. That's also going to help the Yankees start turning things around because they're terrible this year. Um, so, yeah, I think he's – look, he can't be any worse than Gary Sanchez, right? So give him a shot. Let him run with it. Um, and I think he's at minimum serviceable. At best, he's, you know, a reliable starting catcher in the major league. All right, fair enough. Uh, I do want to bring up one other topic with catchers before we move into the next part of the segment. Uh, and, and I was reading today about Luis Castillo, who kind of spoke out about not being comfortable throwing to Tucker Barnhart. Uh, Kirk Casale was kind of his um, catcher that he preferred. And we know Casale's on an unbelievable streak where I believe he's caught five shutouts in a row with, with the Giants. Yes. I don't know if he's just a, a catching savant, but. Um, you know, sometimes we overlook that in the fantasy community. It, it, could it be more than just Suarez playing shortstop? Is it is it Castillo misses working with Sally? It and, could and be. And we know and we know Giolito pitched way better to McCann than he did to Grandall. Yep, that was part of the that was part of the um, concern you had and brought up before the season about Giolito is that they no longer had G, uh, James McCann. To do that, I mean, it's been so, you know, personal catchers have been so prolific that the Padres literally traded to get Darvish's personal catcher in the deal with Darvish to make sure that he was comfortable and his mm-hmm. numbers stayed, you know, as close to where they were the last couple of years with the Cubs. So it's it's a real thing. Like, you get into, it's not even just, like, personality traits. It's the, the catcher can know what you want to do before you even know what you want to do in terms of calling the game and knowing pitch sequencing and knowing your tendencies and how to keep hitters off balance from your tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I fully believe that um, Luis Castillo is probably just missing Kirk Casale. I hope that they try out Tyler Stevenson uh, with with – uh, Castillo at this point because he can't get he can't get much worse right like he's been lit up in a few of his starts already this year uh, yeah unfortunately it's, it's for me <laughs> well I mean you know at, at least in Giolito's case he was he had a very good outing until uh, the, the man the man with the DUI behind an actual car is now doing it I, I don't I, I Larusa is really frustrating me he he's yeah. Uh, anyways, don't get me started. I'll go yep. on a rant here. Well, we'll avoid that. But he, his decision-making process has been um, terrible, and that's putting it as nicely as I can. Yeah. Uh, George Springer returned to the lineup, went 0 for 4, but at least he was making contact. I did not get to watch any of his swings yet. Um, but he, they immediately slotted him uh, at the top of the lineup. Rowdy Telez got sent to the alternate site. Uh, and, and the Blue Jays are searching a little bit, especially in terms of the rotation. Uh, did did we overlook the weakness in their rotation? Uh, I mean, I, I thought they were a team that could contend for the World Series. Yeah, I mean, the pitching certainly has not lived up to what we thought it would be. We knew their offense was going to be good, right? Like, you can't have that many big bats in your lineup and be that bad, except, of course, if you're the team from the Bronx. Um but, yeah, I mean, they're pitching. They're going to have to do something to uh, bolster that pitching staff. I don't know if it's um, working Nate Pearson back in when he gets healthy, um, getting Simeon Woods-Richardson up, um, perhaps Anthony Kay a little should, bit more. Should they borrow a page from the Tampa Bay notebook and start working with old players and bulk relievers? I really think they do need to do this. 
I I would I wouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, you can. It's a great way to limit the innings on the young arms that you're bringing up, um, and keep them from getting fully exposed going multiple times through a, through a lineup. Um, it seems to be working for the Rays because they're like the only team in baseball, except for the Dodgers, maybe to win like 90 games in each of the last four full seasons or something. Um, I so, think the last I think the last thing I read was the when the Rays use an opener, they're 66 and 44 since 2019. Right, because the other advantage of using an opener is that you can, let's say you get a lefty opener. Right, and you you can say all you want who's going to be the bulk reliever paired with that opener or the you know however you want to phrase it, but you can force the team to set up a lineup in a way that's advantageous to you for facing them the second time through and the third time through. Right, if you set it up as a lefty and they stack it full of righties, and then you have a bulk reliever that comes in who's a righty who shuts down right-handed hitting then it's advantageous to you. So I think there's that's an advantage that's not really talked about all that much with, with openers. Um, but, yeah, I think either Toronto's going to have to make a trade to get somebody um, and give away a little bit of their prospect depth, or they're going to have to switch to kind of like two or three solid starters and then just go opener and bulk reliever. Yeah, before we leave the Blue Jays, one other follow-up. Um, at what point do they – I know they like Danny Jansen from a defensive standpoint and like we talked about with Kirk Casale, but I believe he's hitting below 100. How much yep. longer can they absorb his bat in this lineup? Uh, he's they, down to 0-45 after tonight's game. Oy, oy, oy. If they really want to start making a run at Boston, they're going to have to get get him out of there. I mean, Alejandro Kirk hasn't done a whole lot better necessarily, Um but it is a big improvement when you compare the two. Um, plus, as a guy who has a few different shares of Alejandro Kirk, I would like to see him get more playing time. <laughs> oh, cosine, cosine, yes. Uh, that was a selfish question. All right, so Alex Calame gets told he's taking a lower leverage role, and then Baldelli puts him out in a game where they're only down by one, and he walks three batters. Um, that doesn't seem too low leverage to me. I, I, I... Uh, Baldelli's another person who's been baffling a little bit the, this year, yep. uh, figuring out his usage patterns, what he's trying to accomplish. Uh, luckily, J.A. Happ and Byron Buxton took care of a win today for the Twins. But Yeah, Byron Buxton going five for five. There you go, Colby. There's your yeah, shout-out. Some, somewhere real. Colby Conway is smiling. Um, so am I. I have him this year, and so uh, I'm smiling right now, too. <laughs> I couldn't believe. Like, God bless him, but he stole a base up eight to two. I don't know if he's gonna get drilled tomorrow, but we'll see. Uh, or the next time they play the Indians, but we'll see what happens there. Um, I don't think we have to go too long in the column. A. It was funny. He was on my do not draft list last year, and he ripped it up. I kept him there this year because I figured it's better to be a year too early than a year too late. Uh, and so far, that's going okay. I didn't take any Twins relievers in any of the any of my drafts. I don't know if you did or not. I didn't either. I, I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't like the price for Colome, um, where he was going. And, you know, also I have a thing about taking closers from offenses that are supposed to put up a bunch of runs. I don't tend to like to do it because if they're going to win games, they're generally not going to be close. They're usually going to be blowout affairs, and then you don't get the saves anyway. Um, but, I yeah, so that combined with this price, I didn't really like it. And we'll talk about if there's an arm you like in Minnesota a little later in this podcast, too. Yep, that is fair. Uh, bad news for you. We'll, yes. We'll, we'll play the sad trombone with the lead-in to Jazz Chisholm news. He landed on the injured list with the hamstring strain. Uh, he was off to a, a torrid start, uh, old, almost Edalberto Mondesi-esque. Uh, but I don't know how severe the strain is. Uh, but now what do fantasy owners do if you, if you picked up Chisholm and maybe you picked him up to fill in for Mondesi, so now what? Yeah, well, to paraphrase Don Mattingly, um, you know, he's out and we got to move on, right? That's what Mattingly said in his presser after he was taken out. It is a little weird to me that he's out with a hamstring strain um, because if you watch the clip of when he gets taken out of the game, it's after a slide where it looks like his shoulder catches. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of slides in and his arm hooks around the, I guess, shortstop's 
foot and kind of, it seems like his body comes to a stop off of his shoulder. Um, so I'm glad it's a hamstring strain because that seems a lot easier to deal with than a potential shoulder issue. Um, I haven't heard exactly how severe it is. Hopefully he's only missing the minimum uh, 10 days. Um, if you're curious, I believe they brought in Jose Devers um, to replace him on the roster, which, yes, mm -hmm. is related to Rafael Devers. Um, but, uh, not Diaz nearly that category, today. though. But Isan Diaz got to start today at second, yes. right? Yeah, um, and then promptly got a favorable call from Marty Foster, the idiot umpire at first base. Um, so you're going to have to just kind of bear with it, really, because there's not going to be anybody on the waiver wire at this point who's putting up a... I think I saw today he was on pace. Before getting injured, he was on pace for 30 homers, 30 steals, 30 doubles, if I'm not mistaken. So you're not going to find anybody on the, on the wire that was on that pace. So you're just going to have to kind of cobble it together for about a week and a half. All right. Sounds sounds OK. Uh, luckily, middle infield has been a, a little deeper. I, I would say if in a in a desperate Harold Mary, I, I would take a look at Josh Harris and he's massively yep. under own and hitting over 300, including a home run this evening. Second in the in the Nats lineup the last few days. Right. So. Until Soto gets back. That's correct. So you got a guy in the top third of the lineup who's been producing and almost like he, he's he's almost been like the ghost of Howie Kendrick here. Yeah. He has been a lot like Howie Kendrick. The guy just is a professional hitter, gets up there, takes pitches. If you're in an OBP league, he draws walks. Um, and even when the rest of the team wasn't hitting, Josh Harrison was hitting. So um, if that guy's available, he's a pretty good pickup just to have there and stash. Now you see what I'm doing here? That was a great segue because now we're going to talk about Juan Soto. He's been taking swings. All, all news there sounds very good. However... He has not been throwing yet to test that shoulder. So uh, they were cautiously optimistic he would be back this weekend. That might sound a little too aggressive if he's not throwing, correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, Davey Martinez didn't really go into detail prior to today's game about what the next, like when they expect him to throw. He just mentioned that he had not yet been throwing. So it's possible that, you know, over the next couple of days he'll, um, do that and then come back maybe Sunday, but that's probably still too early. They also have uh, an off day. Um, they have one, I believe, Friday, if I'm not mistaken, because um, it was a two-game set with Toronto mm -hmm. down in um, Dunedin. And then, you know, they'll come back up, and they have, I think, one more off day yet before he would be eligible. So they still have a few days. Uh, probably mid-next week I would expect them to be back. Right. Not helping my TGFBI team that just gets it, it's just been ravaged by injuries. Uh, I, again, I hate drafting that at the beginning of March, but it is what it is. Um, Mike Soroka has begun throwing again. Uh, they've reprojected him into June. So barring no setbacks, are you OK with this news? I mean, we knew it was going to be a short season with him anyways. Uh, so not this short, and, though. Right. Any any bit of throwing is good. And, and I mean, if this didn't happen, we wouldn't have, you know, in the rotation for the Braves. So, you know, the old sure. things happen for a reason. So uh, you, you got that bridge going as of now uh, to get there. Uh, and we have good news on Fran Valdez. They're saying he might return by June. Uh, is this a time where people need to start really paying attention to this stuff? And if for some reason somebody dropped like a Fran Valdez, uh, we've got Noah Syndergaard, Carlos Carrasco. All these guys are those two are supposedly returning at some point in May. Yep. Uh, you've got Soroka and Valdez possibly returning in June. These are very important because teams are going to be trying to cobble together innings. I mean, it hasn't been 162 games since 2019. Uh, so, you know, all these guys, like I'll give another example. Tyler Rogers is on pace for 101 appearances. Uh, it yeah, hasn't been since ridiculous. 1974 relievers appeared in a hundred games. Uh, he can't keep up this pace. It's, nope. uh, teams are burning out relievers. Innings are going to need to be filled. So these guys coming in possibly fresh, uh, in, in May and June and things of that nature, does this enhance their value? Uh, yeah, I would say so. A, not only from a talent wise, like, right, Soroka is an ace caliber arm, 
right? He's a co-ace with Ian Anderson in the Braves rotation when he's healthy. Um, as a guy who traded for Soroka this offseason, hoping he was only going to miss, like, maybe three starts at the beginning of the year, I was very disappointed to see him go down with the shoulder thing, especially since it was unrelated to the Achilles tendon he was coming back from. Um, but so we don't getting know him back because when you when you're coming back from a leg injury, it changes mechanics. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's entirely possible that it's related because yeah, like you said, you kind of whether you're doing it subconsciously or you're not, landing differently, favoring yeah. that right that repaired um, you know leg a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I really want uh, Soroka back for my fantasy team. He would be very nice. But the other night I was watching the Diamondbacks game, um, and I think it was when Merrill Kelly started. They said that the Diamondbacks starters right now have been averaging four and a third innings per start. And the uh, announcer was like, well, ordinarily you'd think that would be towards the bottom of the list, right? Four and a third innings per start is not very good. Well, it turns out it's basically the middle of the road right now. In, in the league. So to your point about starters not going deep, they're not. If four and a third innings per start is the average, um, that's going to – bullpens are going to get switched around here in a, in a hurry because um, the, their arms are just going to start to fall off. Yeah, if they don't expand rosters, it's going to be – it's going to be uh, – there's going to be a lot of guys coming up like Davey Garcia who came up pitched a game and then went back to the alternate site. There's just going to be guys that come up, fill do a spot start, and then they're going to get sent right back out, uh, you know, until the, until the league changes the rules on those things and how they happen. It's going to get a lot more commonplace as we go forward. Uh, uh, before we leave the latest news and notes, uh, injury to Cole Calhoun landed him on the injured list, which uh, prompted Arizona call up Dalton Bar show to help fill out, uh, help fill in in the outfield. Um, so I have a couple of questions here for, and we talked about people in catcher leagues. There's a chance he might've been dropped, uh, in a league where you own Sanchez. So if you need some stolen bases, you can kick the tires on Varsho. Uh, but what is his long-term outlook if he ends up not catching many games this year, if he loses catcher eligibility, is he a draftable player in 2022? Probably not because his position would be outfield and we already know how deep outfield is, right? That's like, it's incredibly deep that you could basically punt the top, I don't know, 25 outfielders and still have a pretty good outfield for fantasy, right? Um, so if that's the case, then he probably isn't draftable next year if he's just an outfielder. Yes, the speed is nice, um, and it's always something to look out for, obviously. Um, but again, he's kind of got a hit tool of a catcher. He's not like uh, a speedy guy who's going to hit like 280 and have some power. No, he's going to hit like a catcher, and he just has nice speed. So um, you're going to have to hope he catches some. But right now for the Diamondbacks, I don't see that happening. Cause Carson, because because um, Carson Kelly's having a great year. In fact, he's leading he, off tonight. He was almost my behind the breakout, but I couldn't ignore Jesse Winker. So yeah, that guy's. If been Kelly really stays good. hot, then I can make him the the behind the breakout next week. I mean, Kelly is leading off tonight on Wednesday night for the Diamondbacks. His his on base percentage right now is over five hundred. I'm kicking myself because there was a draft I was looking at him and I didn't pull the trigger and I really wish I had. Yeah, I mean he's walked he he walked in his first at bat tonight, which gave him his fifteenth walk of the season to ten strikeouts. So he's uh <laughs> he's having himself now. Granted, we are only, what, three, three and a half weeks into the season? Yeah, we're almost uh, to a month here, but yes. Uh, it's still early, right? But the talent has always been there with Kelly. He just couldn't get out from behind Yadier Molina. Yeah, it's going to be curious how all that plays out. But um, how, do, how do you see Varsho? Because I know people are going to want to know if they should be picking him up or not. Is he in a... With catcher eligibility, is he a in a twelve team league with two catchers? Is he a must add? I'd probably pick him up just to kick the tires and see what they're going to do with him. I will say they are not playing him on Wednesday night. Um, 
I don't know if that's because they already had their lineup made or they liked the um, I think there it might was be one of the calls. Who knows what's going on? With yeah, that it also might have been the matchup on the mound. Right, it was Weathers supposed to be a lefty with Weathers. Yeah, Weathers started the game and pitched what two innings, I think, and then left. Um, so all of that is possible. Um, keep in mind the Diamondbacks do have a decent amount of depth in the outfield. Um, with piecing it together, um, so. Who knows how much playing time Varsho is going to get, but he's worth a shot if he gets some playing time and steals you a couple of bags. All right. Well, um, I don't know if you guys were, were checking or not, but Matt's updated top 250 prospect list came out on Fantasy Alarm uh, earlier today. Uh, he's going to highlight some of the biggest risers and fallers in there, and then I'll have a follow-up question once he's done there because I'm going to be – desperate looking for one thing in, in, in deeper leagues. So I'm going to, I'm going to put his feet to the fire. So, so Matt, where are some of the guys that are on the way up with George Jefferson some guys that are on the way down, whether it's situation injury or whatnot. So do you want the bad news first or the good news first? We'll go with the bad news first. The bad news first. Okay. So yeah. we'll talk about the, the guys who are falling uh, in my ranks here and the biggest faller since the preseason rankings came out in the draft guide has got to be Forrest Whitley. Um, I had him in the top 100 before the season start before, you know, March. Uh, now he's barely inside the top 200 for me. Um, obviously he's undergoing Tommy John surgery this year, so he's going to lose an entire year. Uh, it's just been a bevy of injuries the last few years for him and suspension, I believe, for PEDs, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. Um, and once he got a, like to double A, his stuff just didn't play very well. He started getting hit uh, a lot harder than the stuff should suggest he would be hit. Um, he was not striking out nearly as many guys. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what exactly is going on with Forrest Whitley. The stuff all says he should be an ace. But the makeup and what he's done recently on the mound and injury history suggests you don't want any parts of him. Um, the next guy who's falling is Seth Beer for me. Uh, for the Diamondbacks, he was part of the Zach Grinke trade from the Astros to the Diamondbacks. I think that really hurt his value because, to me, Seth Beer is nothing but a DH. Um, I mean, he kind of plays outfield, but not really. Like, he's a left fielder at best. Um, first base. Okay, but the Diamondbacks already have a couple of guys they hope to be there for a decent amount of time, and Christian Walker and Paven Smith. Um, so he's just a guy who's going to hit a bunch of pop and not hit for a whole lot of average. So, I, you know, not a whole lot of room for him there. A couple of more uh, biggest fallers would be Lewin Diaz, first baseman for the Marlins. I just don't like his set of tools. Um, he hasn't been able to crack the the open, you know, the, the roster at all. Um, Jose Garcia, shortstop for the Reds, just looks overmatched. Yes, he's young, but he still looks overmatched, and I'm not even sure his tools are all that great to begin with. Um, and one more Marlin, sorry to hate on your Marlins there, Craig Mish, but Braxton Garrett uh, has fallen for me. The stuff just doesn't look as good as it did a couple of years ago. Um, and there's some, you know, makeup kind of questions I have about them. So those are kind of the biggest fallers for me um, since, you know, basically late February, mid-February. Uh, biggest risers. The number one biggest riser for me is Shea Langoliers. Um, I originally had him as a defense first catcher, um, but reading up a bit more about the reports coming out of Braves camp, the alternate site, whatnot, that bat is starting to play. Um, apparently they did a lot of opposite field work with him last year at the alternate site. And his average exit velocity on balls going to the opposite field last year was 95.4 miles an hour. That's pretty nice. That's That'll get you a hard hit rate every time at 95. Um, the defense is great. He threw up 41% of would-be base dealers in 2019 in the minors. Um, so I think if the bat continues to stay where it is, he's going to be a tick behind Adley Rutschman and Joey Bart for future catchers. Um, and your guy here. Greg, um, J.B. Bukowskis, second <laughs> highest riser in my rankings. Um, guy looked absolutely filthy in spring. Now they uh -huh, they're all up. coming around now. Um, 
Well, okay. So I, I had I called someone out. No, I, he used to be a star, but I, right. I had to call another writer out on Twitter because it was like, I don't remember what, what it was, but the person was like, oh, you better keep an eye on Bukowskis because he decided the, the, the strikeout to walk rate in the spring. And, and I just merely mentioned to the other writer, I was like, uh, this hype train left a month ago. Yeah, I mean, well, okay. So the reason he was low on my rankings previously was because he was a starter for them, yeah. right? He was also part of the Granky trade a couple of years ago. He was a starter for Houston, could never really control his stuff as a starter, right? His walks were way too high. And he couldn't but get they, a third pitch. Yeah, but they sat him down uh, in spring and said, hey, you're gonna, we're going to transition to you to the bullpen. You're only going to have to throw the two pitches your two best pitches, and boy, did he take off. And now he's up with the Diamondbacks, and theoretically, as we both hope, he'll be saving uh, games in the second half of the season here for Mm -hmm. Diamondbacks. Tanner Houck, uh, pitcher for the Red Sox, has moved up quite a bit. Uh, His stuff really came around at the alternate site last year, and he's gotten a couple of starts for the Red Sox this year. He's looked pretty decent in those starts. Um... I think he's basically a number two pitcher for them at the top end of his upside. Could be a number three. Um, and Chris Rodriguez, we'll go with him as my last big riser, pitcher for the Angels. He has always had the stuff. The question was, could he stay healthy? Because in the first two years after he was drafted, he pitched nine and a third total innings due to a back issue that has now been fixed. Uh, and he's healthy. And his stuff was gross in the spring. Gross isn't a good thing. Uh, it was his stuff is nasty. Um, so he he along with Andrew Heaney and Reed Dittmers should make a, a pretty good one two three for the Angels in the next year or so. Um, so keep your eye out for those guys. All right, uh, two questions here. One, yes, should people be especially people that are desperate for speed, should be, they be stashing Jaron Duran? Because I've read that he's been taking reps in the corner outfield, and we should all be pretty well aware that Hunter Renfro and Frangie Cordeller have been looking terrible. Yes, you should stash Jaron Duran. Uh, there's, no, there's almost no power with him. He was hitting for a little more pop in spring, but again, a we don't know the level bit. of competition. Now he'll get he'll get help because it's Fenway, and as long as you're not hitting, trying to hit it over the monster, you've got a pretty decent shot of I mean, power. If you're getting him, you're looking for speed. Right, exactly. He's got 80 grade speed. Okay, that's as 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 elite as it gets. Um, you're talking about a guy who's probably going to be the fastest guy in the majors when he comes up surpassing tim lacastro's uh speed there so yes he is a stolen base threat every single time he's on base he's kind of like uh an aldoberto mondesi with a better hit tool and a little less pop if if he's up within a month can he steal more than 20 bases yeah with the way the red sox offense is rolling right now i mean aside from them winning one nothing on Wednesday night against the Mets, it was Degrom, uh, correct? So they, to beat Degrom, one nothing. Um, but yeah, I would say he could steal twenty bags if he's up within the month. Okay, all right. Well, I, I might be stashing him in a fifteen teamer. Um, my other question is: Is my TGFBI team? It needs power. I've already lost Aloy Jimenez, so at least I had Cole Calhoun to fill in once he came back. Now he's back on the DL. Is is there a impact minor league player with power that could be up within the next couple of weeks? Um, I don't I mean, think the Giants are going to rush Helio Ramos, especially after trading for Talkman. So I got to cross that off the list. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Helio Ramos is coming up that soon either. Um, I mean, we've talked about Kalenic, but at this point, there's no shot you're getting. Well, Kalenic. he's yeah, he's not. Um, he should be up with the Mariners because their their outfield is not hitting like at all. Um, but yeah, there's you know, power is one of those things that is not all that hard to find in the minors because everybody wants a power hitter at this point. Um, you know, it's just kind of the way things are going in the majors, obviously. 
Um, I think Josh Jung has a pretty decent shot at coming up soon for the Rangers. Uh, third baseman, he's got some pretty nice pop. Um, that offense of theirs has been struggling for a little while, um, and it might be time for them to see what they've got. Uh, coming up in the uh, in, in the corner infield there, um, you know, there's been some decent talk about, you know, what are the Angels going to do in the outfield? Are they going to call up any of their, their prospects? I don't think so. I don't think you're getting Joe Adele coming up and being productive at least. Um, Brandon Marsh is more of a speed guy than a power guy. Mm-hmm. Um, in you know, so right now I would say Josh Jung is a pretty decent bet to come up uh, soon and have and have some pop. Obviously Kalenic, but that train left the station about <laughs> a while ago. Yeah. Um, if you want a sneaky perhaps longer-term play, Colton Welker for the Rockies. Rockies, yeah. Might get a call. He's a third baseman. He's got some pretty nice pop, and he's got good defense. So if he comes up, he could get uh, playing time for them. Um, I mean, I don't see any of the big power bats that we've come to know, like Nolan Gorman um, and whatnot, coming up anytime soon, really. Um but yeah, I, I think those are the top power bats you're going to be looking for. All right. Uh, before we leave the prospects and go through some uh, rapid-fire closers, the, the top five deepest systems are? Uh, Tampa Bay. No shocker. shocker. This is based off of the top 250. A lot of other sites base it off top 100. I like to do top 250 because it, it's a deeper look at the system. So these are based off top 250. Uh, the the Rays, number one, they've got 13 players in my top 250. The Pirates, number two, they've got 14 players in my top 250. The Mariners, number three, they've got 10. The Indians are number four, they've got 16. And the Marlins are five with 11 uh, in, in my top 250. Could Daniel Johnson be up soon for Cleveland? He certainly could be. Uh, they've needed outfield help for quite a while now, right? Like, it's been a theme with them for, like, four years. I feel like uh, they're trying to force Lupo into a full-time player, and he's in yeah, a little he's bit not. of a hot streak, but I can't see him maintaining it. I don't trust him. Yeah, no, he's he's not a full-time guy. He's just he's just not. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's another, he's another power bat that could be up. Oh, and I heard them. they might be bringing up Bradley. Bobby Bradley? Yes. He's got – he better hit for power because that's about the only thing he can do. Well, <laughs> I, I just need somebody to get me in, get me home runs until I can get Cole Calhoun back. I mean, this is where we are in 15-team leagues. Yeah. I mean, the, Bobby Bradley Between COVID and, and soft tissue injuries like every hour, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Bobby Bradley's a decent guy for power. At least he better hit because obviously he, he – his hit tool is not one that I'm a fan of. Um, his defense is not all that great. He's basically a DH. Um, so, yeah, I think those are your best bets for JJ Blade might be two months out, maybe. Yeah, maybe, but that might be rushing him a little bit. But he's got some pretty good pop. All right, fair enough. All right, uh, pull my feet to the fire with bullpens. I'm ready for you. All righty. So we uh, we hinted at this earlier. But uh, who is the best bet to get saves in Minnesota at this point? Uh, I think Taylor Rogers moves closer to the top of the heap, um, but he needs Caleb Thielbar to stay effective. So there's another lefty in a in a setup capacity, so he doesn't burn Taylor Rogers in the eighth inning. Um, Thielbar has been racking up a bunch of strikeouts, but he's even to be consistent. Uh, and prevent runs. If that happens, then he can do that. Um, I think they might share some saves with Tyler Duffy, but he's been up and down this year, as has been his velocities. So that's something we have to monitor. He did give up a home run the other day uh, in in that faithful game that finally got Colome out as closer. And the, the young arm I'm looking at is Jorge Alcala, but he is a right-handed specialist. Uh, righties are 0 for 14 against Alcala, 
but he's given up, I think, three home runs to left-handed hitters. So he can't he can't be overexposed to lefties uh, unless he improves. So it, it would probably be Taylor Rogers one A, uh, whichever right-handed complement they decide to be one B. I, I don't know Hansel Robles. He's another roller coaster. So he's got he's got a tough decision to figure out who would be the right-handed arm to be the Robin to Taylor Rogers Batman if that's the way he goes. Yeah, this I'm is still, exactly I'm why still we, staying away. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. This is why we told you not to go after the <laughs> the Twins bullpen because it's kind of a mess. Um, speaking of another one that's kind of in a mess, who is the reliever to roster in Cincinnati right now? Um, if you can tolerate just getting strikeouts, ratio protection, and an occasional save is TJ Antone. Uh, I think he's going to take the 2018 Josh Hader role, uh, who his pitching coach, Derek Johnson, was Milwaukee in that year. So I think that's the role he's going to fill. Um, Hader got 12 saves in 2018 with... Uh, I think at least half of them being multi-inning saves. So I think there's a real opportunity. That's how they'll use Antone. Uh, but this opens the door for Lucas Sims to to be the Jeremy Jeffress slash Corey Knebel right-handed arm that that steals that steals saves on those other days or when they need back-to-back outings. Uh, you know, Doolittle got the save the other day, and I saw people adding them, but. That was because there was nobody else left in that bullpen. They they had him warming up, but they stayed with Antone for a third inning to end their seven game uh, losing streak. So that should tell you how much they really truly trust Doolittle. I, I don't see that being uh, a huge factor in that bullpen. I, I think some people do, and I think they're mistaken. Yeah, I'm with you on Antone. I've been telling people. I've gotten a few questions this week about it, and I've been telling people Antone is the guy to have there. Uh, it's just not going to be volume, but you're going to get quality stuff. Right. You're going to get strikeouts and ratio protection and the occasional save. Uh, speaking of Knable and his new team, do the Dodgers need to make a trade for a bullpen piece? Yes. Um, they they should go out and get Richard Rodriguez sooner than later. Yeah, because I was watching the broadcast and they kept bringing up all these injuries that they're having in the bullpen. Um, and I know we talked about earlier this year that they're so deep that they're using um, guys who could be starters for other teams in the bullpen, a.k.a. David Price. Um, now he's out. But now he's out, and Knable's, Knable's out, out. And it didn't uh, look good when Knable got injured. I watched it happen live. It did not look good. Well, they're, they're saying both of them are going to be out for months. Yeah. Oh, yes, they um, they, again, we know Pittsburgh wants to trade Richard Rodriguez, even though they're they're at 500 right now. Uh, the Dodgers don't care about the luxury threshold, so yes, they they should go get Richard Rodriguez ASAP. Yeah, that would be awesome for my Kyle Crick shares too. Um, so I'm gonna tell you right now, there's a I'm keeping close tabs. I think Dwayne Underwood Jr. is really making a push to be in the saves conversation at that some would point. Really he's 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 past he's past David Bednar right now. That would really uh tick off some Cubs fans because that guy couldn't do anything as a Cub. And they released him. Yeah. He he I, literally could not throw strikes at one point for the Cubs when they kept bringing him in. Um so who is we're we're gonna stick in the uh, the Midwest here. We're gonna go with uh Kansas City. Who is the arm to roster in the in the Royals pen? Right now, because I've seen some Josh Domont talk. Uh, yeah, I hate trusting Mike Matheny, but uh, it was about it was about this time last year that Trevor Rosenthal separated himself from the pack. Um, and, but you know, we also know that Matheny had faith in him in their past relationship, uh, being in, with the Cardinals together. Right. Uh, but Josh Domont did record his third save, so that's three in a row. Uh, once is a mistake, twice is a trend. So it, it appears. Even if it's only a primary share, like a Emmanuel Clase, you know, 60, 60, you know, two out of every three save share, uh, that's good enough right now in the current climate and save. So if for some reason somebody didn't pick up Stalmont yet, uh, your opportunity to get him might be lapsing when you hear this. Yeah, he also is pitching for the team with, I believe, the Royals still have the best record in baseball, if I'm not mistaken. They did a couple of days ago. 
Yeah, um, the, the loss yesterday, I think, dropped them down, but uh, they're, they're right back in that conversation, winning again tonight in Pittsburgh. Yeah, everybody's talking about the Dodgers, but the Royals are right there in terms of best record in baseball. Which They have a way better bullpen. Congrats to you for calling the, uh, the, the Royals might be the sneaky pick in the Central. So far, they've been the sneaky pick in the Central. Um, it was because of the bullpen. And uh, one final thing here with, with uh, reliever values. If the Yankees continue to struggle, what is Chapman's value? You know, it's, it's so frustrating because uh, um, when Chapman's stuff wasn't as good, it, you know, the, the Yankees needed him and he failed a little bit. Now that he's added the splitter and his velocity's ticked up this year, he looks fantastic. Uh, the Yankees are struggling. Uh, that, that rotation does not help him. No. So they, they need to get things turned around. There's got to be a win streak in this team, and when that happens, he can hopefully get uh, saves in, in bunches. Um, I do have him in a tout, um, so I was anticipating a little bit more volume from him. Uh, so hopefully these things even out again. It's, it's not even been a month yet, as we've spoken about, so we're hoping that comes around. But um, if you've seen him pitching this year, he, he looks totally different. He looks more confident. Um, and actually, without Sanchez catching as much, I think that helps Chapman even more. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, it, it's just baffling to watch what's happen- happening with the Yankees right now because they, they rank, I think they rank 30th in the league against right-handed pitching right now mm-hmm. offensively, mm-hmm. Um, which is not where you want to be considering the fact you face righties like four out of every five games. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so that, that'll do it for me for, for uh, bullpen questions there. All right. I'm always I'm always ready and amenable with those. And again, thank you for all the great work you do running the the, the REM metric for me and all that great stuff. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a it's been quite a year to be a, a closer with the air parentheses expert uh, because it's just been this year has just been an absolute mess. Yeah, I will say I was looking over my home league standings. Uh, last night, my 21-team home league. And I'm a guy who never really spends all that much on closers in the draft, um, whether it's a snake draft or auction or whatnot. I just think their price is way too high for essentially being a one-category uh, helper. I mean, yeah, if you get an elite guy, they help with ratios, but they don't pitch that many innings that will make that big of a difference in your ratios ultimately. Um, and I'm in fourth place in saves in my league with seven. I spent a grand <laughs> total of 75 cents on closers in my draft. Uh, that was to get Stefan Crichton, who has a couple of saves and now probably isn't in that conversation. Anymore, I he'll get a I couple got... more. Nah, it's going to be him and Saria for a little bit until they, right. until they start making trades. Right. But then I also have Bukowskis in there who I got in, in the taxi round for free. I got Ian Kennedy at the very last round of my taxi round or taxi draft for free. Um, and then I'm just looking and I see like a roll Chapman goes for like 10 bucks in my league. And he's got like four saves and, um, you know, a couple other guys spent like 10 bucks on dudes who don't even have their, like, I think column a went for nine bucks. Doesn't even have the job anymore. Um, okay. so this is why it, 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 it pays to follow Greg on Twitter and to pay attention to relievers who could be sneaky candidates to get saves because these things fluctuate very, very quickly in a season. And, and we're keeping very close tabs. Jake McGee's giving up runs in four of his last five outings. Uh, Tyler Rogers is getting run into the ground. Uh, so deep league people, you might, might want to put uh, a very cheap bid in on Camilo Doval because at some point he's going to get a look in that bullpen. Uh, Craig Mish messaged me the day – he made his debut in Miami and said the kid was electric. Yeah, that that stuff is. <laughs> it'll light up a, a. It'll light up the batter's eyes. What stood quick. out to me when I rewatched it is he just looked so poised at his age to be. That moment was not too big for him. He was just like, okay, it was like another another outing for him. It, it didn't even seem to phase him. And I know he gave up a home run and an outing after that, but he's got two holds. Uh, they just sent out Santos because of the Talkman deal. Uh, I think Duval might might get a chance because they already used Wandy Peralta for a couple of saves, and he got dealt to the Yankees. 
Yep. Uh, so, so that's something. There, there's a path to ancillary saves in San Francisco for Duvall, uh, and you're saying every every save matters. That's that's a name that is below the radar right now. That and don't sleep on the Giants, on. by the way, because they're in second place in the NL West. Nope, another team with a. I mean, they've had a very good bullpen to this point. Their starters are doing well. Uh, and if the Diamondbacks beat the Padres tonight, the Padres will be in fourth place in the NL West. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a wild year. So, Matt, thanks again for everything. Uh, what's coming up this weekend in NASCAR? Uh, we get the Bushy McBush Race 400 this weekend, and no, I am not making that up. That's the actual name of the race. Uh, it was a fan vote sponsored by Bush Beer. It's at Kansas, um, so we'll have a podcast being recorded uh, <laughs> later tonight. Actually, if we can avoid not laughing all the way through it um <laughs> as i'm laughing right now exactly um the uh nascar wonders why they struggle getting a foothold at times i mean it's pretty entertaining um and then we got nfl draft coverage on thursday night Pick oh yeah analysis, that's right yeah uh of the first round <laughs> I'm so happy the draft will happen because I don't have to see any more mock things come right, through my timeline on Twitter. There you go. Uh, so we'll have pick-by-pick pick analysis of every pick in the first round and then most picks on the second and third round on Friday night. Um, so we have that coverage. There's a draft pick contest happening that closes at the start of the first round. Uh, pick your answers to 23 questions and have a shot at winning some money. Um, and, yeah, the baseball contest coming out too you know baseball never stops yes that's right uh my behind the my behind behind the breakout uh looked at jesse winker and it actually explored uh plate discipline and him hitting the ball to all fields not just the fact that he's on an absolute heater there's things going on behind the scenes that should actually help him carry this through the season and not be the the uh flash and disappear that he showed last season uh, so I think this one's a little more sustainable, and he is 27 in his power peak. My streaks and hitter column will be out on Friday, and then I will be contributing to the DFS stuff over the weekend. Hopefully you read the hitting coach today because I had Trey Turner and Josh Harrison as one of my top-tier and mid-tier options, and they both showed out. Uh, I'll check on the other guys a little later. I whiffed again on Gallo, so he's dead to me. <laughs> he hit a home run last night, though. I know. So I figured he might be getting warmed up and go on one of his because he's the guy. He hits him in bunches. So I was like, right. OK, we'll hop on board. And nope. But anyways, so Matt, thanks again for everything. I know you do so much in front of and behind the scenes for the fantasy alarm and all the family. We appreciate everything you do. So make sure you check out all of his work this weekend for the NASCAR and get over and read his top 250 prospect list. Because if you're not, you'll miss the information that he was putting out on Jazz Tism to Jazz. Chisholm two years ago when other people were sleeping on him. So until next time, we are out.